My sermon, more or less sermon, this week and next, probably, because I'm not going to get through all this, comes from, pardon me? Are we going to have a conference? No, I'm going to share notes from a conference, several conferences I've been to. You know, we've been, over the course of this year, moving and unpacking and placing things. And when you move, you, you change things about three or four times before you finally landed in the home it's supposed to be because it's in the right place finally. About a month ago, I found some notes that I had from a couple, from a, I was going to say a couple years ago, but it's been a lot longer than that, maybe about a decade ago or something. And the primary speaker was a guy named Graham Cook. Has anybody heard of Graham Cook? He's worth finding out about. He's a wonderful conference speaker. For me, he's really hard to take notes. Like a lot of people who are really prophetic and that kind of a thing, it's sort of hard to take notes. But what I get out of Graham Cook's messages is he gets these one-liners that are really deep to me really connects with me, and I write them down, and then I have to think about them for a long time. So what I'm actually going to do today and probably next week is I'm going to share a one-liner that he had and then talk about how it applies to my life, how I incorporated it, and maybe give you something to think about as well. I'm pretty sure I did something like this with other notes about a decade ago or more with Acts, but even if it was the same ones, and I'm not sure, even if it's the same ones, I rewrote everything except his points, so it's still going to be new, even if it's the same points. If you get nothing else from today, here's what I want you to get. Holy Spirit is an expert at everything. Y'all didn't get that. Holy Spirit is an expert at everything. Whatever the issue, whatever the thing you need, whatever you're trying to find out about, the Holy Spirit is expert at that. Anybody have Holy Spirit here? Some of you will not raise your hands no matter what, right? Like Jesus could say, do you want to go to heaven right now? And you still would raise your hand. But that's okay. For the rest of you, Holy Spirit is an expert at everything. John fourteen twenty six. I am going to give you a number of verses to go with all of his points. So you may want to get that out or jot them down for later. John fourteen twenty six says this. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I have found in my life, and and I've walked with God quite a while, and been aware that Holy Spirit's been in me for quite a while, I continually underestimate the capacity and the ability of Holy Spirit. Thank you. A couple of others are shaking your head, too. We do. We forget how significant Holy Spirit is in our lives. He lives in us, right? We take him everywhere. When I walk into a room, I'm bringing Holy Spirit with me. When you walk into the room, whether you know it or not, you're bringing Holy Spirit with you. 
What would happen if we started becoming more conscious of that? That I'm coming into this meeting. I'm I'm meeting somebody for lunch. I'm talking with my kids. And we become more aware that Holy Spirit is with us. See, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. There's a, I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, whether you're raising the dead or washing your socks, the pay's the same because it's all obedience to whatever God gives us to do. So when I'm doing laundry, if I'm doing it as under the Lord, it's a part of what, I, what I'm doing around the house to help out and make life a little easier for my wife. That's the same pay, the same reward, the same Holy Spirit involvement as if we're healing the sick. Everything is spiritual. Why? Because Holy Spirit lives in us. If we get this, it'll change our lives. So I intentionally try to engage with Holy Spirit because I forget. So I try to make places where I can say, okay, Holy Spirit, let's talk about this or talk about that. So one of the times, I, one time I was um, getting ready to go down t- go downtown to meet somebody or for, for whatever reason. And I'm trying to be more intentional about ho- engaging Holy Spirit, right? So I said, got my journal and I wrote this down. Holy Spirit, what do you prefer? Streetcars or subways? If everything is spiritual, then that matters too, right? Here's what he said back. Maybe God doesn't talk to you this way, and if it does, you know, I'm sorry if this offends you, but I don't know, get over it. Anyway, Rob, it doesn't matter to me. That's not how I travel. (laughs) Use whatever helps you to be free from stress and experience the pleasure of beauty in life. I enjoy the subway because it gets you places on time, and there is such a diversity of people for you to observe and sometimes pray for. I like the streetcar because it gives you the opportunity to see both nature and city activity. It's slower, and the pace is easier for you to keep yourself still and open to our conversations. So pick whatever's best for you at the moment. I'm just glad to be there with you. The idea that we engage with God in all the stuff... Whatever we can build into our lives because Holy Spirit is excellent at everything. Holy Spirit lives in us. Every place we go, everything we do, Holy Spirit is present with us. And the more things that we can do to intentionally be aware of Holy Spirit's presence, then when there's a distinct ministry opportunity to someone other than Holy Spirit or me, we're already kind of in tune Now, when I got that word from God, I read it several times because that was kind of stretching my borders a little bit. That didn't exactly, exactly sound like a prophetic word you'd get in church or something like that. I'm going, hmm, really? But the longer I thought about it, and the Holy Spirit just kind of rested on me and said, yeah, why not? Why can't we talk about subway rides just as much as we're talking about what heaven looks like? Because everything is spiritual, and the Holy Spirit is excellent at everything.
What that did is it helped liberate me to talk to Holy Spirit about a whole lot more things than I'd ever talked about before. What things do you talk about with Holy Spirit? Is Holy Spirit reserved for the time when you're interceding for your family? We only do it when we go to church or maybe cell group. How often do you engage with Holy Spirit? Remembering that Holy Spirit is excellent at everything helps me to engage with Holy Spirit more. I engage him in things I used to try to do on my own. You may laugh, but I've asked him to help me to use my phone better. Because if you know me very well, um, I'm kind of a dinosaur when it comes to that electronic stuff. Just a thought. But being aware of Holy Spirit presence gives me courage to do things I don't normally feel comfortable doing. I'm going to share illustrations a little bit from my trip from Hong Kong and Beijing. Thank you for praying. It was a really good time. In Hong Kong, I stayed in a hotel that they have set aside for speakers. They've got to deal with them and all that. It's about a 20-minute cab ride into the into the, um, the church where they meet. Now, most of the cab drivers there barely speak any English, so there was a lot of not talking to cab drivers. But one there was. And he started, you know, well, how are you doing today, sir? And I go, wow, the guy can, like, speak fairly clear English. So I engaged with him for a little while, and he got talking about how, I asked him how business was, and he says, it's difficult now. Um, there's a lot of the Chinese tourists are not coming into Hong Kong, so businesses are hurting, and all the connected and ancillary um, businesses are really hurting. And he says, it's been difficult and stuff. And so we were just talking, and, and, and he had more kids than I had, but I had more grandkids than he had, so we both agreed that we won and tied. <laughs> but we got to the, close to the place, and I said, can I just give you a blessing? He said, that would be really nice. I felt like God said... Tell him that his son is going to be okay because he's worried about his grandson. But tell him his son is okay. So I go, okay. So, you remember, so I said, yeah, now you've got more kids than me, right? But your son, you know, you've been worried about him, right? He goes, um, yeah. Uh, why are you asking? I said, because you're really worried about your grandson and the influence your son's going to have on him. And he said, how did you know that? I said, because God's spirit lives in me, and he told me to tell you it's going to be okay. You're a good dad. You took care of your son the way he needed to be taken care of, and God's working on your behalf. And he goes, this is the best pickup I've had all month. <laughs> I don't know. They call it, he called it pickup. I don't know about that. I didn't think about that. I was holy in the Spirit. <laughs> if we're aware of Holy Spirit's presence, then when something comes along, we're more able to step into an opportunity God gives us. 
Or if something comes along and like your kids are being really, really difficult or something, if we're aware of Holy Spirit, we can step into what Holy Spirit wants to do because Holy Spirit is an expert at everything, including parenting, teaching, bosses, kids, spouses, traffic, everything he's good at. If we get this, it'll change our lives for the better. What in your life right now do you need help with? The Holy Spirit is an expert at that area that you need help with. We don't check him at the door when we walk out and go, okay, the rest of the week you're on your own. No, he's with us all the time. And he's good at whatever we need him to be good at. Here's another line he had. How do I seek God when he never leaves? Think about it for a second. How do we seek God when he never leaves? Now, what that said to me, oh, I should give you a verse because I always like to give people verses because that's kind of what I do. Hebrews 13, 5, the second part of it says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God never, ever leaves us, no matter how foolish I am, what bad choices I make, no matter how good I am, the right kind of choices I make, when I'm just kind of just going along in neutral. God says, I will never leave you. Never means never. There's no clever, you know, Greek word that means something else. It means never. You can't go anywhere that God isn't going to go there with you. This might get exciting in a minute. It really could. He will never leave you. You're sitting in a place going, oh, what am I going to do? God says, well, I'm right here. My spirit's in you, and I'm right here. Isn't that amazing? So I think about seeking God, and he's never like, oh, God, maybe prayed this. I really need you to be here with me right now. Okay, wait a minute. That's almost irrational. Because he never leaves me or forsakes me. And his Holy Spirit lives in me. What kind of a prayer is that? We can do better. We're in a place where we're under pressure. Oh God, I really need you to be present now. If we could hear the answer, you go... I'm about as present as I can get because I'm already with you and in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What happens if we change from, I really need you to be with me, to thank you, God, I know you're with me right now in the middle of the situation? What changes in how we think? Our perspective about, oh, I'm alone, and if I can just get God to come, everything's going to be okay, and he's going to help me, to he's already here with me, and he lives inside me. God, how are we going to handle this thing? Because I know you're here. It's not the trying to get God to show up. Hello? It's not trying to say, are you with me? And he goes, I never leave you. I never forsake you. What would change about your workplace 
If instead of, okay, God, I need you to go to work with me today to go to something like, hey, God, what are we going to do at work today? What would change if you were sitting down with your beloved little teenagers? God, you're here with me as I address this issue, rather than, I really need you to be here and give me wisdom. It changes us from a place of trying to get God to do something that he's already present to do and work with us in doing it. How about this one? God, give me more of you. How does that work? God is already with us and lives in us. How can we get more of something we already have completely in us? What if our prayer became not, God, I want more of you, but God, help me to understand more of what I already have because you're with me. One is trying to get something from him. The other is trying to help have us get revelation of something we've already been given. It's like God has deposited $10 million in your checking account and you never withdraw anything. You come to God and go, please put some money in my account. He goes, it's already there. Yeah? And yet we're going, please, please, please come and be with me some more. It's already there. I want to pray for this person. Holy Spirit, come now. He goes, been here all the time. Never leave you. Never turn my back on you. How about worship? I love our worship, but some of the songs, the words that show up there. Here I am waiting for you. God says, I'm here. Been here the whole time. Waiting for you to just join in. What if we switched to the awareness that God is always present? He never leaves us, so we don't have to try to get him back. If we try to walk away from him, guess what? He's right there with us. We can't get away. No matter how poor choices I make, God is still always with me. He never leaves or forsakes me. He may go, excuse me, Rob, what, what is going on here? Why, why are you doing this? Okay, let's talk. But do you understand the difference of, oh, I've wandered far from God? No, you haven't. You've wandered far from the, the, the life he intended you to have, but you haven't wandered from God. Never leaves you or forsakes you. God, I've gotten myself into such a mess. You've got to come and help me. He goes, the Holy Spirit's already in you. And he's an expert at everything. We are living so far below the level God has intended us to live. He's given us his spirit there all the time. He never leaves us or forsakes us. I sometimes still seek God as if he's the one who wandered off. 
God never leaves us. We're the ones who are not aware. We've gotten caught up in stuff, life, made choices that weren't helpful, whatever. But he's never left us. If we can ever get that in, he's always right there with us. It'll change. So now, if I don't feel like God, most of the time, I don't feel like God's around. It's like, okay, God, I know you're with me because that's an absolute. What have I done to wander away? Why are my ears not hearing you quite as well? How have I kind of lost that connected feeling? What am, in other words, I'm the issue if I feel far from God. It isn't because he left. It's because I'm not aware. But do you understand what that means for you? It means God never left us. If we're feeling distant, here's the problem, not him. And if this is the problem, I can fix it. It's interesting, in, in Beijing... Um, it's kind of weird being, being like the guest speaker who comes in and when they introduce you and all that sort of stuff. Um, some of the things they say are, are really kind of almost uncomfortable. So in Beijing, uh, Pastor Hyunsu said, one of the things I really, really like about... Okay, I just have a quick question. Is anybody else hot besides me? No? Okay, it's just me. Oh, two of us. Yeah, maybe just, you know, to have mercy on me. Thank you. That'd be awesome. Thank you. You know, Holy Spirit's still here. The anointing's still here. He didn't leave because we stopped open the windows. Yeah? See, if we live within a continuum of God's presence with us, Holy Spirit lives in us, we can have an interruption and come right back because God never left. So the pastor in Beijing introduced me and he says... One of the things I really like about Rob is that he has this continual awareness of God's presence wherever we go. And I'm going, well, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. So that night after the service, and it was a good service, we go out to eat because that's what you do, and especially when you're like halfway around the world. They always take you out to eat, and, and they, they are just very, very kind about doing that. So we went out to eat. There's about eight of us at the table, and... Um, this lady walked in. I should have had pictures. I'm just not good at pictures. Anyway, this lady walks in, and um, remember, I'm in Beijing, so you know what everybody looks like, right? Well, this lady walks in, and she's got very blonde hair, cropped off to about here, in a pink jacket, and it's just like it screams, notice me, neon pink. And it just screams, notice me. And she comes over and goes, I know who you are. I'm going, okay. <laughs> I was here two years ago. I've prophesied about 150 people on this trip already or more. Um, 
She goes, I, I remember you from two years ago. You came to our church here, and you gave me a prophetic word. And then you called me back on Sunday to give me the rest of the word. And then she told me what it was. I go, wow, that's really awesome. She goes, can you do it again? So I said, sure, come around. So she came around the table sitting here, and she goes, oh, before I start, the rest of my band is over there. Can you pray for them too? And I said, well, I'm, I'll, I'll prophesy to you. They're going to pray for your band. So the people from the church go, I go, okay, get up and pray for them. And they did. One of the awesome things about Beijing is that they're such a young church. They'll just go do because you tell them to do it. They haven't got churched enough to go, nah, I have to think about this, and I don't know if I really feel the anointing, and I'm not quite sure if this is exactly what I want to do, and my gift mix doesn't really, they just go do it. They got a, they got a um, outreach team. There's a guy on their team who's on their outreach team who's been saved for three months. Now, how much does he know in three months? He knows enough to know Jesus loved me and saved me. He's qualified. What are we waiting for? Just a thought. Anyway, so I prophesied her, and they get up in the middle of the restaurant and start prophesying and praying for the rest of the band members, two of whom are not Christians at all. God never leaves us. We can, we can be on and do church in the middle of a restaurant with a punk rock band leader, singer, and a band. Holy Spirit is an expert at everything, and he will help you to develop the realization that God is always with you and never leaves you. Just ask him. Probably got time for one or two more. Here's another one. If I am scared of the enemy, I need a bigger revelation of God. If I'm scared of the enemy, I need a bigger revelation of God. One of the things that Christians do way too often when it comes to the realm of the Spirit is how big is the enemy? A demon shows up and starts manifesting. How big is the enemy? Problem that you've been trying to deal with. Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a, a, you know, a habit you're trying to break or whatever. This is so big. If I'm scared of the enemy, I need a bigger revelation of God. 1 John 4, 4 says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Whatever you come up against, God in you is bigger. If we ever get that, it's going to change things. Somebody won't come up and go, wow, I have multiple sclerosis. Can you pray for me? And we go, I've never had that get healed so far. It doesn't matter. God in me is bigger than whatever caused that thing. If a demon starts manifesting, you just tell it to shut up and go away because it's we're bigger, we got more. Somebody say amen. Thank you. We have to get this thing. 
If we're scared of something the enemy's doing, we need a bigger revelation of who God is in us, for us, with us right now. I don't need God to be big once I'm in heaven. Huh? He's going to be big, but I don't have me and Satan to deal with. What's your revelation of God? What's your understanding of who God is? I don't know if this is mine or if it's somebody else's, but I think about it a lot. When you've been in church for a long, long, long time, it's hard to remember if it's your stuff or somebody said something to you. But anyway, fear is faith in anything other than the truth of who God is. Fear is having faith in anything other than who God is. Fear is faith in anything other than the truth about God. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What scares you when you think about it? means you know, if that dominates you, it means you have more faith in that than God. It's not a condemnation, it's just a statement of reality. I remember when they gave me the prognosis that I had skin cancer. They said, this is the best kind of cancer to get. It's like, what kind of a encouragement is that? I don't understand that one at all. That's weird. Yeah. Isn't that the definition of oxymoron? I mean, come on. But that word cancer carries with it an emotional weight. So I'm sitting here, just heard this thing. I get back in the car and I'm going, who's bigger, cancer or God? And that's what we have to do with our fear. If we're, if we're, I I don't know how to share anything with people at work. I could never talk to a cab driver or prophesy to a punk rocker in a restaurant or whatever. What's bigger, your fear of doing that or the fear of the Lord? Which one is bigger? Your teenager's ability to mess things up or your ability to walk with them through it? Your ability to, to have a marriage that's way below what you ho- ever hoped for? Or God's ability to heal all the stuff that got you into the problem in the first place? When I am in fear, the enemy looks bigger than God. So it's in my best interest to be able to functionally fix my eyes on Jesus. What does that look like in the middle of the thing when they go, you have cancer? By the way, if you didn't, I don't have it anymore. It's, it's not there. But what, what do we look at? Do we look at 
the cancer? Do we look at this punk rocker sitting next to me wanting a prophetic word in the middle of my Chinese dumplings? Fear is never, ever the issue. The issue is my awareness and proximity to God. Whenever we're dealing with stuff, it's not the, fear is never the issue for a Christian. The issue is how close am I to God? How aware am I of God's presence? When fear shows up, I, because, because the way I'm wired, I say, okay, God, I need a specific biblical truth to apply to this fear. Cancer just showed up. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all my diseases. Cancer and fear? God and healing my diseases. Which one are we closer to? We have that all the time. Looking foolish in the restaurant, giving a prophetic word to somebody who goes out and has massive contact with unbelievers. I had one happen on the trip. I'm getting ready to leave Beijing. I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to fly home and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I get... Um, uh, Pastor Hyunsu drops me off. I walk through the first thing, and this thing hits me. What if you're the third Canadian that the Chinese decide to hold? I wasn't laughing. Thanks for laughing, but I wasn't laughing. I'm going, O-M-G. Oh, my God, help me out here. What if they keep me? At that point, I've got a choice to say, am I going to dive in here to this fear thing and really get caught up in it? Or I'm not wearing a sweater next week. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I don't care how cold it is outside. I have this option right then of saying, Am I going to get stuck here? Am I going to get caught with this? I walk up to the people. I get through the first thing. Then I come to the security check. They run my bag through twice, and they go, Mr. Lee, you need to follow this person. Fear or God? Whenever we're afraid, we need a bigger revelation of God. That just says God isn't big enough for me in that circumstance. So I go dragging my stuff down to this other place, and they go through my, my carry-on bag. <coughs> well, I have is carry-ons, but the, the, the hand one, not the little rolly cart. And they finally dig out the thing they said to look for, and they, and, and they hold up this little, what is it, a, a, a recharger, that red thing? It's a cell phone, a little portable cell phone charger if you, you know, you can, you don't have to have a plug for it. And they go, this thing. And I'm going, oh, thank you, Jesus. 
But walking down there, I had a choice to go, okay, am I going to get into fear or am I going to trust that God, who's got me this far, done things that are beyond what I would do in people for the last two weeks? Is he going to show up for me on the way out of Beijing? So I went in and I go, what do you want to look at? Gave him a thing. He said, this thing has the wrong number on it, which is bizarre because it was made in China, and China is telling me it has the wrong number on it, but it's like, okay, whatever. Keep the thing. Just let me go home. But I didn't walk down there in fear because God was bigger. I didn't know how he was going to get me out of it. Didn't tell me that. I didn't know I'd just have to give away this little inexpensive cell phone charger. Holy Spirit is an expert at everything, and Holy Spirit will give you a bigger revelation of God anytime you're confronted with fear. Last one for today, then we'll do some more next week. Be more afraid of unbelief than presumption. Be more afraid of unbelief than presumption. One of the things I talk about whenever I go, when I get on a plane, one of the things they want to talk about is how do you hear God's voice? Most of the time we don't hear God's voice because we're in unbelief. We spend most of our time when we can't hear God's voice saying, it's probably not God because of this. It's probably not God because of that. It's probably not God because of this. I don't know if it's really there. I don't know if I'm holy enough. I don't, all the reasons. And we talk ourselves out of whatever it was we heard. That's okay. See, Shole, I know you're here. I told you that word wasn't going to work. It's okay. See, the really cool thing is God's here all the time, and having an interruption doesn't bother a bit. I think God has fun when we're having fun, even if it's in the middle of doing God's stuff. Sorry, am I getting too unreligious? Okay. <laughs> Presumption. Okay, why not? Why wouldn't it be God? They even titled one of my one of my sessions. Why wouldn't it be God? What if we spent our time focused on why wouldn't it be God, presuming that it is God because God's a good Father. He wants to talk to his kids. His kids are going to be able to hear his voice and recognize his voice. Why wouldn't we go out a little bit on the edge of presumption rather than here's all the reasons I can think of why God didn't say something to me? You with me? We spend way a lot of our time. What? Some, somebody's sick at work. You, you want to pray for them. Well, I haven't prayed for anybody to get healed in the last month or year, or decade, or lifetime. I don't know how long it's been since you've gotten someone healed. Met with a group. They were talking about how to deal with if a demon shows up. So I asked everybody, I said, okay, when's the last time you personally did a direct deliverance of someone? Um, I was in a group that did inner healing and got someone delivered. I go, doesn't count. When did you stand in front of somebody who was demonized and you got them free? 
Um, never. When did you? Um, ten years ago. Then what happens when the one plunks in front of you and somebody is demonized right in front of you? We tend to think of reasons why we can't do that. Didn't, it didn't work last time. I haven't done this in 10 years. I don't really know how to deal with this kind of thing. It attacks me. I'm, I'm really familiar with this thing. Be a little bit presumptuous. A little bit over the top. Because God is with you always. He never leaves you and forsakes you. His Holy Spirit lives in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What if we tried to err on the side of, this is probably God. Me, Holy Spirit, powerful, demon, defeated, worthless. What if we started with that presumption, that assumption? Hello? Look, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes anyway. Why are we more bothered about being a little bit assertive about hearing God and doing kingdom stuff? Why does that bother us more than living in unbelief? What's the worst thing that can happen if we step out and give it a shot? Now, the worst thing that can happen if you're trying to do something is you tried to do something nice. What if you didn't get a really significant, impactful, prophetic word? What if God didn't tell you about the... the, taxi driver's son and grandson. What if you just say, hey, I just really want to bless you. God really loves the way that you interact and your heart is really kind. What's the worst that can happen? We said something nice to him. Boy, that's bad, isn't it? Smile or laugh or something or oh my God or help us, something. What if we just tried I prayed for plenty of people in places, and they didn't get healed. The only people that got upset with me were, were Christians. People who don't know Jesus think it's so nice you take the time to actually just pray for them, whether they got healed or not. Don't raise your hands, but if I had someone, when is the last time you prayed for someone to be healed outside of a church meeting or cell group? We'd be up five, ten years. One other little thing, just so you know. How many people biblically in the Gospels and Acts were either healed or saved in the temple, which is the the equivalent of today's church? Zero. Nobody. Everybody who had an encounter with God was outside of a church. Read the book. They got it everywhere, in the middle of the desert, in an upper room, at a sinner's house, everywhere except in church. 
unless we are the church. God never leaves us or forsakes us. Holy Spirit lives in us. We carry it around with him. Why wouldn't we be just a little bit more optimistic about what God wants to do than get stuck in unbelief? Hmm. We'll pick this up next time. I got one more little story. Um, in Hong Kong, the pastor asked me, he's sort of like the apostolic leader of the entire network. And he said, okay, um, whenever you get a word for, for us, being, meaning him and his wife and then the executive pastor, let us know. We'll put it in the service. So the word I got for the pastor's wife, Lisa, was... Well done. And I argued with God because I had the word well done for three other people during the week during the week I'd been doing this stuff. The first one was fine. The second one I gone, I just gave that word. Now God expands on it, it isn't just that, but he, he expands on it. I go, God, I got the same starting one with her. Okay, well I'll go with it again. Then I got it the third time and I go, Okay, this is just me. Moving out in faith, right? This is just me. So I changed the word from, you know, well done to, you know, there's just a pleasure of God about who you are and what you're doing. God said, I didn't say that. I, I don't know how he talks to you, but that's how he talks to me. I didn't say that. Tell him what I said. Okay. Well done. And, and, the, and, the, and the young lady just starts crying. I'm going, Okay, those words were the same. What happened here? He said, because it's what happened in her heart. And she'd been reading about God who says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest. And she was questioning her salvation. She needed those words. But I know better, right? I'm going to change them because I already give it twice. You can't give the same word like three times. So then I get the word for Lisa, and it's well done. Okay, the light bulb finally comes on. He says, he's saying this to the church. Okay, I get it now. Lisa, you're a, you're a representation of what God is saying to the entire church. He says to you, well done. The whole church, well done. And now here's some stuff for her, and I don't remember what I got for her, but the point being, what if we just tried to step out a little bit more instead of going, oh, probably isn't God. It couldn't be me. He'd never use me to... Pray for someone's healing. He'd never have me give a word to somebody. He'd never have me do any kind of prophetic ministry. He wouldn't have me share the love of Jesus with people. What if we got out of unbelief and into faith that the Holy Spirit in me makes me a winner? We'll pick this up next week and we'll do some more little points he brought up. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you, God, that your word promises that Holy Spirit always lives in me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. That fear is so much smaller than a greater revelation of who you are. And God, I ask that for each person here, in some way or another, that you would have your Holy Spirit to lock this inside somewhere for something, that we would become people who pray as if we actually were
carriers of the Holy Spirit, that go to work as if we were actually carriers of the Holy Spirit, that interact with our families as if we were actually carriers of the Holy Spirit. God, help us to build into us verses and, and, and short little phrases to remind us we are carriers of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand. May God bless you this week with the certainty that you go into this week not by yourself, but with Holy Spirit in you and God with you no matter where you go. In Jesus' name, go out and change your world. Amen.